0: 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply.
2: Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. you're listening to Fox Sports radio. Radio, radio, radio.
1: Here we go. On a Saturday night straight out
3: of Vegas, Steve Cofield along with RJ Bell.
4: And I tell you guys, I'm excited because we got two games. We've got two hours. And we are going to deep dive with the wise guys and the wise guy chair. Steve Fezik, NFL specialist. Brad Powers, college specialist. We'll be talking some college basketball. But our focus, Woo! NFL for sure. Two biggest, well, I guess the second and third biggest game of the year, leading to the Super Bowl.
3: Oh, show. Yes, yes. Uh, Vegas lead. We're about five minutes from the end of a big fight card. UFC 220 went down in Boston. Obviously, you can wager on these events. And there was a fight between a champion who was a dog at heavyweight, Stipe Misic right, uh, ho- against on. Francis Ngannou. Hold and on. the result is ho- in. Ho- hold
4: on. Hold on. Hold on. Let's not overdo this. I'm 0-1 now in the UFC. Undefeated entering yesterday. Never bet the UFC. (laughs) The World Series batter who also had a heck of a UFC streak. We were first to get that he had the underdog or the favorite who lost. And I made my first UFC bet. I can't lie. It was a big bet. And now I'm 0-1. I just have one thing to say about it, though.
1: I live my life a quarter mile at a time.
4: That's it. Next race. Just
3: brush it off. <laughs> <laughs> so this, so this big batter who had crushed the World Series had been on a big winning streak with the UFC.
4: Yeah, well, it was something we reported and then verified by ESPN and other outlets. Was he had started? I think it was seven straight UFC wins, or or even nine, and he hadn't made a bet since the World Series comes in. Bets a favorite. You know, I got a good price at 170. Fez, how did the action come in uh, right up to the fight starting?
5: So here in Vegas, select spot some really big money on the favorite at William Hill. I'm going to kill the pronunciation. Naganu.
3: So it's Francis Ngannou, Ngannou? and Stipe Miocic, and yeah let's, and, just say the, let's just say the favorite. The and, fight's
4: over. And, We're going to be moving on Ngannou here in was second. the
3: favorite and trying to uh, win the belt. We're so, going to be
4: moving on here in a second. So, RJ,
5: you got
3: in at minus, <laughs> we minus a lot of 170.
5: Analysis. We'll get to football shortly. <laughs> it closes at William Hill at minus 210. You could have taken back plus 180, and that's the hardest thing when you make a good bet like that. Do you scalp it or do you roll the dice? Hey, that's the way you live your life. You roll the dice.
3: Quarter mile at a time. Next, <laughs> So I'm not rubbing it in. The scores were <laughs> 50 to 44 on three cards. I, I just wanted to tell you what happened in the fight. This is
4: a condon. I, I
3: understand. <laughs> I want because we talked about the fight beforehand. What happens is you've got a guy in Ngannou who's 11 and one. He's a big knockout artist. You 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 caught the highlight of his last fight where he almost knocked the guy's head off like a Pez dispenser and then punched him on the ground. Well, he'd been doing that, but he'd never faced a wrestler. And wrestling in mixed martial arts can be the great equalizer. And RJ, you had a great shot in the first round because it was actually Rockham him. And Steve Amiosic, after the first round, was like, that's enough. And just took him down the rest of the time. Last count I saw on ground strikes was 102 to 1.
4: Mm. And I'm not... So the
3: other guy couldn't get up. And sometimes that happens, in, uh, you know, in MMA and UFC. I up,
4: first, I want to personally, man to man, say I appreciate you not rubbing it in. A
3: little analysis of
4: what happened. But w- what I will say as a very casual fan of the UFC is the different styles is what makes it so interesting, right? I remember back, and, and Brad, you're a little younger than the rest of us, but I think you probably have a vague recollection of uh, Houston, I think it would have been with Andre Ware or Klingler, I can't remember, that was running, shooting at the time against the Miami Hurricanes when they were in their prime. I mean, this might have been, what, maybe 89, 90, I'm yep. remembering? And it was like one of the biggest Thursday night games ever because it was like, how is this old school great program going to do against this quote-unquote modern new offense. And at the time, Miami rushed three. They were physical enough, if I remember, to actually dominate that game. But the difference, you don't get that much in football, right? Everyone's playing a variation on a theme. And UFC, you've got a lot of different disciplines. And how to handicap those different disciplines, fascinating.
3: And uh, I'm 0-1. The, uh, the other thing to watch for in fights is when dudes are thickly muscled, and this is in boxing and MMA, it takes a lot more oxygen to feed the muscles, so sometimes those guys don't have gas tanks. So watch in the future on Anthony Joshua, the British heavyweight who everyone loves, big, thickly muscled dude. Thank now, you. here's
4: what I'll say. You guys may, listening coast-to-coast, coast, 330 stations on Fox Sports Radio, you may not know this. Steve Cofield, for many years was the UFC writer or one of them for Yahoo. So he's happy
5: right now. He's not so square. (laughs) (laughs) The good news for all the listeners, RJ may be 0-1 in MMA, but he has had a stellar football year. RJ, I don't remember, not to jinx you, the last big football bet you lost. Well, no, I agree. It's been a great
4: football year on Kevin and Bean, which is one of the biggest morning shows in the country. Uh, They're based out of Los Angeles. Fourth year now, I finished with them. Three picks a week and the fourth straight winning season in front of literally millions on their show. So, yeah, NFL is my specialty. But I will be honest as we move on here. I love betting something I know nothing about because it means I... Trust someone enough to follow them. And it's kind of fun. Like, if you told me right now, tomorrow morning at 9 45, there's a dog race out of Florida, and we've got a, you know, we don't want to use the word lock, but we've got some good info on it. I'd meet you at Sunset Station, eat a little breakfast <laughs> at the buffet, and make a big bet on that dog, and I'd enjoy it. But I'd enjoy it more if we won.
3: So there was a fury yesterday. Around Tom Brady's thumb. And we talked about the speculation, what Vegas thought about the speculation, the severity of the injury. And it seems like things sort of settled down today in Vegas with the Brady injury. So where are we? Here's uh, so right now, the line, and just to recap, opened up
4: New England nine and a half point favorite hosting Jacksonville. And it drifted down the first couple of days eight and a half, nine in some square spots. And then he got hurt on Wednesday. And when he missed practice on Thursday, we saw the line go to seven and a half, you know, minus 110, minus 110, flat, as we call it. Okay, so then on Friday morning, as we recapped, I got information from two different trusted sources. Hey, this hand hurt more than people think. I tweeted that out at RJ in Vegas, got a lot of attention, and then I predicted, hey, this line looks like it's heading to seven. And within about 90 minutes, it was down to seven. Now, what's happened since, and I think this is a very important distinction, what's happened since is the public information that's come out has been positive that Brady's going to play well. There was talk of, oh, it was only four stitches. Now, who's verified that? I don't know, right? But a report, only four stitches. Also a report that, oh, he threw pretty well Friday. And it's like, okay. And then now, announcement that he's playing for sure, that he's going to start. Now, no one doubted, you know, in any real way that he was going to start. And we tweeted that very explicitly. Hey, he's going to start. The question is, how effective is he? Because if he didn't start, the line would be with Hoyer, like two point favor for the Pats. So the line doesn't go from seven and a half to seven if there's any real chance he's not going to start, right? It's going to get taken off the board or move much more drastically so to me I'm interested to watch the game but to me the private information that I trust says hey more hurt than people think the public information says it looks like it's not as bad as it could have been the lines moved off the public information the question is how true that is Fez how are you analyzing and we're going to go into a lot of other elements of this game but how are you analyzing the injury
5: Yeah, I think spot on that Brady is clearly not 100%. The question is, is he 95%? Is he 84%? We don't know, but I think that's a great distinction. The public just got favorable news the past 36 hours 24 hours when does the public bet game day and the night before so the public is going to look at what they've just most recently heard oh brady's looking good in practice and they're going to probably bet the patriots i would expect this line based upon the public money is going to go back up
4: and right now it's about 7.4 so it's seven and a half but you you can find reduced juice so
5: how do we grade now
3: the injury in terms of the impact on the game we talked about Colin Cowherd speculating that, hey, if the hand is injured, spin on the ball, not as tight. Brady, not a super strong arm guy. So what do we do now?
4: Here's what I would do. If he's really, really hurt, it's the only factor that matters. Right? It's a one-factor handicap. I think odds are he's not really, really hurt. Right? And I think he's just a little bit more or more hurt than people might think. So for me, I'm going to probably do a one-point downgrade to Brady, and as in, okay, if the line, if he was 100% healthy, should be whatever, let's say eight and a half, I'm going to do a one-point downgrade, which means it's going to be a big factor, and it makes me less inclined to play the Pats, but it doesn't mean that can't be overcome with the other factors we're going to be deep diving on.
3: Another deep dive, I like that you use that term, you love derivatives. So, first of all, explain so, what derivatives are.
4: So, a derivative is anything but a side or a total. And Fezzik, in my opinion, the best derivative batter in the world.
3: Injured hand, possibility of fumble, problem with the exchange with the center. It's a good point. I think there's so much uncertainty here. Or we gotta... does he
4: even go under center? Michael Lombardi from yep. the Ringer said probably more, or if he's
5: hurt, based on how bad, more shotgun. Absolutely. And because of all this uncertainty, hey, when we bet a game... If we make a big bet, we want an A confidence, and we know the key factors. we got to confidence here. We really aren't sure. See, I disagree with that, Fez. If, if the
4: line is right or close to right, and we have uncertainty with one big factor, then we don't want to make a big bet. But we've talked about various times during the year, and let's use this as an example before we break. Let's say for the sake of argument, the line is eight come tomorrow morning. Nice round number. And let's believe, as we do our deep dive handicap, as we're going to be doing here in a moment, that we say, if Brady is 100%, eight is the highest it could be. We can't even fathom it should be eight and a half. Now you might actually bet Jacksonville because you're saying, if he's 100%, we have a coin flip. And if he isn't, we've got value. So if uncertainty is something we can define as, in the worst case, we still have a coin flip, we actually embrace uncertainty.
3: The ultimate free roll. Yeah, well, not the ultimate free roll, but a free <laughs> roll. We have about 10 factors, actually a little more than 10 factors to hit on in this game. Up next, coaching. And if a guy off the field actually has an effect on the Jaguars and Tom Coughlin, that's on the way. Straight out of Vegas, Fox Sports Radio.
2: Straight out of Vegas!
3: Straight out of Vegas on this Saturday into a Sunday. Coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. At Steve Cofield along with RJ Bell. We got double wise guy chair. Fillage tonight with Brad Powers and Fezzik. Only two-time winner of the Super Contest here in Vegas. So examining the Pats and Jags in game number one. The line has settled the Patriots Minus seven and a half. I want to talk coaching, and if there's an edge on one side or the other, is it one versus two? Is it Belichick versus a two-headed monster in Jacks? Huh.
4: Well, listen, whenever you have – it's almost like saying um, it's the Michael Jordan conversation, right? I know some talk radio guys, I'm not going to mention any names. Their initials might be CC, (laughs) Um, but no names, (laughs) Is There's a lot of talk radio topics about is LeBron better than Jordan, right? Well, to me, amongst the conversations I respect, it's Jordan and then we start the conversation, right? Now, again, I can see the other. I know there's guys like Nick Wright who I actually really enjoy his perspective. They're like aggressively, it's it's LeBron, right? To me, I'm a titles guy, right? And, and not that that's the only thing that matters, but... When I look at, I watch Michael, I watch LeBron, it doesn't feel the same to me. So, I think Belichick is probably above, you know, that's an interesting question. Could you more easily make the case that someone's better than Jordan or someone is better than Belichick? I would think you could actually make the case someone's better than Jordan easier. Thus, any matchup, Belichick's got the edge. The question is, is it somewhat mitigated in this matchup?
5: Well, I agree. Because we have the conversation: Is LeBron better than Jordan? And we Who have close- I don't have that conversation. Media guys do all the time. Steve, how, how often have you had that? It's all the time. I, no, I understand. Media I'm guys. Talk radio guys. <laughs> <laughs> It's interesting, but Belichick is so much better than any other coach. Zimmer, we have rated. I have rated my number two coach. It's not even close. And we'll talk about Zimmer
4: because he actually in the regular season is amazing. In the playoffs, not so much. But I think. Cofield, you bring up a good point, the Tom Coughlin factor. So the question becomes, there's one coach in the history of the universe that's ever beat Belichick in a Super Bowl. It's Tom Coughlin. He's 2-0 against Belichick in Super Bowls. And to me, there's two facets of the Coughlin factor. One is the X's and O's. Does he understand something about beating the Pats with Belichick that others don't, and I think the second factor is the psychology for the team. Let's start there because that's the one I think that's less obvious. Right now, imagine that you're doing something you've never done before. You know, we were talking UFC, maybe a little too long to start the show. <laughs> is imagine someone is going from a certain belt up to a black belt. So what's the? Oh, it doesn't matter. The belt below the black belt. Now they're going in their first black belt competition. Now, if you're coming in with no knowledge about anything other than, hey, you're now a black belt, go fight these guys you've never seen before, it's going to be pretty scary. Like, what does this next level really mean? But imagine you've got your trainer, your coach, whatever, that spars with you, he's a black belt, and you know, fifth degree or whatever, and he says, listen, let me tell you, I understand black belts. You are a good black belt. You're going to do fine. How much, if that's true or not, how much better are you going to feel coming in?
3: I think confidence is a gigantic part. And confidence that comes
4: from experience, meaning someone that's been there that's done that.
3: Now, the question is, how active is Coughlin around the team? But that's how involved is he? That's
4: into the X's and O's,
3: right? But if if
4: all Coughlin does is, and, and my understanding is, the Coughlin's on the field for every practice. So I was on uh, a show, I can't even remember which one it was, and they had just had on a beat writer from Jacksonville, and those are the guys that's in the locker room, and they said that every game this season, every week, he's on the field for every practice.
3: That's a major factor then.
4: Yeah. So to me, if you look over there and see the guy that's done it, and he's whispering to your coach, You're feeling pretty good. I don't know if there's any validity to it, but the psychology, I think, is significant. I
5: agree, and let's talk about confidence. How often have we seen this big upset, and the team is celebrating? What were the Jags doing after they beat Pittsburgh? We're going to win the Super Bowl. We're going to go in, and we're going to beat the Patriots. They're confident. They've actually taken the tack
3: this week of kind of rejecting all the Patriots' love. Patriots have been very complimentary of the Jaguars, and the Jaguars are like, stop playing this game. All right, We're not buying this.
4: And who knows if that's Coughlin telling him, hey, this is what Belichick's going to do. Yep. Here's the way we want to approach it. <laughs> now, the X's and O's part, it's hard to tell. Now, what makes me optimistic that Coughlin can help there is I think the Jags have the type of defense that the cliched approach to, to, to limit Brady is pressure without blitzing, and especially pressure up the middle. And I would make the case, perhaps... Any team in the league, if there's any team in the league suited to do that, is it Jacksonville?
5: Yeah, you knock Brady on his butt and Jacksonville gets three sacks, over three sacks per game. They're very well suited to make that happen. That's what happened when he lost to the Giants. He got knocked around. He wasn't 100% healthy already. We have some concerns about his health going in. It might be playing mind games with Mr. Brady.
4: So I think, to me, the Coughlin factor, it's... Sometimes things like that are too quick to get poo-pooed. This guy is on the field for practice. This guy is helping X's and O's. And remember, he's sort of a mentor to this coach. There's no sense that, oh, like with the 76ers, let's say, um, before Hankey got let go, hey, we're bringing in someone above you. Again, right, yeah, now the sense is, okay, you've got a supervisor who wants your job. Right? Coughlin by all accounts, doesn't want to coach this team. He wants to play the role he's playing, which opens up collaboration I think. They have a good relationship and there's no competition and thus I think whatever Coughlin has to offer, there's no friction for that to benefit Jacksonville. So
3: Coughlin, before the game, can be an advantage. Game day? Who has the advantage? It's got to be Belichick. Is Marone anywhere near him in terms of coaching acumen?
4: No. I mean, if we were doing a snake draft... I mean, I'm just going off the top of my head here, but I'm thinking Marone's 12 in my snake draft,
5: Fez. Yeah, and he's only 12 because they're in the <laughs> semifinals this year. He wouldn't have been otherwise. Yeah, but Belichick wouldn't have been after he got fired by the Browns. <laughs> Fair enough. That's a long time ago. <laughs> I think Marone's done a tremendous job
3: this year. And I, I agree with you on 12, but I don't think anyone needs to denigrate you
6: know, Marone on the job he's done. He's done a brilliant job. She Brilliant, or uh, maybe a benefactor of some injuries at the quarterback spot in his own division. Well, a little bit, is, of, that. A little I tell bit you,
4: of that. I tell you this: this was a fascinating discussion. I'm a fan of the Ringer podcast, and they were—I can't remember which one it was. It wasn't Lombardi, and they were saying, "If no team had a single injury this year, how would we expect the season to have gone? And who would be the final four teams right now?" So if you think about the Vikings, probably, you know, I mean, you could say Aaron Rodgers might have supplanted one of these two. I don't think so. So that's a debate, right? Obviously, the Eagles would be better off, seven points or so, better off with Wentz. So if anything, they'd be better in here, right, most likely. And just to give an idea, we think that the estimate is that the Eagles would be about a four-point favorite. If once we're playing instead of a three-point dog, so you know better. So I think the NFC chances are to be about the same, but think about the AFC. Is if Watson were healthy for Houston, JJ Watt merciless, all right? And Andrew Luck with a ten and six Jacksonville team playing four games against Houston and Indianapolis, is it possible or if not likely, Jacksonville doesn't even make the playoffs? If everyone were healthy,
5: Oh, that's a great point. I
4: agree with that. They could finish third in the... They could finish last uh, third well, it, in the it would only yeah. take them losing one... La- I mean, 9-7 probably doesn't win that division. So if they just lose one additional game... Now, I get that at the end of the year, they could have won some games.
3: The two games at the end of the year have a lot
4: more importance if they're up against the But them I all. thought we were just talking here how they were playing so hard in Week 17.
3: Who talked about that? Oh, well, everyone here did. That would be me. Yeah, I don't I, I didn't believe that. I thought they lacked focus against the Titans. That was and I definitely think they lacked focus going on the road. I don't know why they lacked focus because they were still playing for the two seed against the Niners.
4: So in general, I think on the coaching side, I would make the following case. If you roll Coughlin into the consideration of the coaching on Jacksonville's side, that Jacksonville is one of the five best teams in the league to combat New England at a coaching level. I think Minnesota is probably the best because I think Minnesota has the best staff other than New England, right? So to me, we might see a situation where the third or fourth best team coaching-wise, Jacksonville, is faced by New England. And then if New England wins, they might face the best team. Because if you really started talking staffs, right, it's New England won for sure. Minnesota, Los Angeles Rams... I think, are two and three, right? And Eagles actually... Now, a lot of debate about their head coach, but Eagles are in the top five. I mean, anyone disagree with any of these? Like, what, what's the... Be- and when we talk staffs, we're talking head coaches, obviously, coordinators. Now, we don't... Position coaches, probably not as much. Fez, you follow coaches pretty closely. Is Do you agree with a general top five or so of New England, Minnesota, Rams, Eagles...
5: You know, Jacksonville, if you consider Coughlin specifically in this matchup. Sounds right to me. I might move next year. We'll see what happens. San Francisco into that mix as well. (laughs) Here we go.
4: Well, we got a guy that was a (laughs) coordinator last year that's now the head coach, right? We probably want to see a little more from him.
5: Yeah,
3: we're probably jumping the gun. Jimmy G. Koo factor. Can't get away from it. He loves Jimmy (laughs) G. You know,
4: sometimes when you are very emotional about somebody, it clouds your thinking.
3: Uh, Last (laughs) week, we talked about... Atlanta may be hitting the wall because of travel and a rest issue. We may have the case in this game as well. We'll get to that on the way back. First, though, with the latest, Steve Desager.
0: The AFC Championship comes up at 3 p.m. Eastern time with New England hosting Jacksonville. And then on Fox TV, the NFC Championship, Minnesota at Philadelphia, 6.30 Eastern time. The Tennessee Titans' new head coach is Mike Vrabel. He was an assistant with the Texans for the past four years. News conference coming up Monday. So Romeo Cornell should resume his D coordinator duties in Houston now. Vrabel's general manager in Tennessee is John Robinson. They were both with the Patriots from 2002 to 2008 as player and scout respectively. Military personnel overseas may miss Sunday's NFL playoffs. The American Forces Network is unavailable due to the government shutdown. The NFL says it's working on it, but the games right now will only be on at USO centers overseas. Here in the U.S., also, all of Air Force's teams have stopped playing until further notice, including Saturday's scheduled basketball. We're brought to you by True Car. Online car shopping can be confusing. Not anymore. With True Price from True Car, now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. In the NBA feature matchup tonight at Houston, the Rockets beat Golden State 116-108. to Golden State had one, 14 straight on the road. Oklahoma City dominated at Cleveland 148-124. to The Cavs have dropped 10 of their last 14 games. And Miami was trailing by five at Charlotte with just over 30 seconds left. The Heat won the game 106-105. Among those who lost in college basketball, fourth-ranked Oklahoma... Lost in overtime at Oklahoma State. Seventh-ranked Wichita State was beaten at Houston. Eighth-ranked Texas Tech lost badly at Iowa State. Eighteenth-ranked Kentucky lost at home by two to Florida tonight. And Kansas State with the upset win over number 24 TCU. Back to you.
3: Thanks, Steve. Fox Sports Radio is going to be broadcasting live this Wednesday at the Farmers Insurance Open, succeeding at... The Farmers Insurance Open can all come down to experience. You need to know all the angles and understand the hazards to get the job done, whether choosing your club or choosing your insurance company. Farmers knows experience matters. Visit FarmersInsuranceOpen.com for tournament information or join the conversation at hashtag FIO eighteen. And remember at Farmers, they've seen almost everything, so they know how to cover almost anything.
5: We are farmers. Bum,
4: for the kids at home, if you want to be a radio host and think it's easy, listen to Cofield do that read.
3: how it's, it's brilliant. Profe-
4: it's professional-level stuff.
3: Close. Close. <laughs> Close to brilliant. Close to brilliant. Close to professional. Uh, continue on the Patriots and Jags game, the first game of the day on Sunday. Patriots might have a little rest edge in this game, which I'm sure people listening right now are like, they both played last week. How can they have a rest edge? But travel plays into stamina in the playoffs, right?
4: I think it's a humongous edge for New England and especially a New England team prone to being tired, specifically Brady. So let's quantify the edge for a second. New England has not played a road game since the Steelers game. It's been over one month, over 30 days since they've played a road game at home. Right Now, Jacksonville. Off what I would say for most of the players on the field last week, the biggest sporting win of their career. I do think there's an emotional side. I know they're talking about this or that in the media. Oh, we want to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. That was a big win. So I think there's a little bit of potential for flatness. Not a lack of effort, a lack of energy. There's two different ways a team can be flat. One's a lack of effort. One's a lack of energy. Sometimes you're empty. So four out of five road games it will be now this will be the fourth out of five Fez how
5: are you handicapping
4: the energy level the rest that situation
5: I think you nailed it it's going to take its toll on you look at the Atlanta Falcons when they had to play their fourth out of five they ran out of gas in the second half in their second road playoff game I think this is going to happen to Jacksonville as well remember we've got uncertainty with Brady this is a perfect storm to wager during the game if Brady looks good we can expect, we can project that Jacksonville is not going to be as good in the second half. I'm going to look to bet New England in the second half.
4: And that's a great general macro piece of advice from Steve Fezzik is if you are betting, and almost none of you, if any, are betting 10000 a game, 20000 a game, you can't really bet in game enough to get your bet down, right? So, what's a typical in-game like if you have an online book, you're in Vegas, just a typical book, let's not mention any specific ones, what is the typical limit for an online bet in the middle of a game? 500 to 1000. So, really, if you just want to bet the side and and you can bet that again and again? Yes. Okay, interesting. So, so if it, let's say you were going to bet 10,000 on a game fez, are you able are you would you be comfortable going in-game and, and getting that all down in-game? No, because what'll
5: happen, you only have about 90 seconds. So you could probably hit it at a couple books and then they'll go ahead and kick off, and you'll only be able to get two, two, maximum three bets down usually.
4: But I'm saying once the game started, you could bet after the first possession, after the second possession, after the th-
5: right. Yeah. So you can nickel and dime your way up to pretty much whatever you want. And remember, you can make a big bet at halftime also.
4: Okay. So, but for that not being an issue, is if there's a really definable question, if a. I love this team. If A happens or if A is the case or if B, I don't want to bet this game. It's usually not going to be I'd actually want to bet the other side. Let's keep it simple. If A, I want to bet this game. If B or not A, I don't want to bet this game. If you're betting 100, 200, 500, even a little bit more, oftentimes if you have that one definable question and that's able to be defined early in a game, like, how does, you know, this quarterback's leg seem? He's, his ankles hurt? Is he going to be mobile or not? His You know, maybe his hands hurt? Is he going to throw a tight spiral? One pass or two or three from Brady, you could have a fee- – we're going to know so much more about his health than anybody knows before the game. And thus, in-game, in those situations, I think there's a ton of value. Now, I know everyone likes to bet in-game because it's fun to always have perpetual action. But I'm saying if you're trying to win, that's kind of a way to use in-game, I think, very effectively.
5: And remember, it's the playoffs. If this was a Week 14 game, there might only be one book. You might not have access to it that's dealing an in-game line because we're in the conference championships. Almost every book is going to have it at each timeout. So if you can get that much money down during a
3: game, why aren't you just waiting? Because you just mentioned that we're waiting to see how Brady looks. So if you get a chance four or five plays in to get the same bet down that you could get down before the game, why wouldn't you do it during the game?
4: Now, I think that's an interesting—let me answer first, and we'll get Fezzik's thoughts. To me, I think it's probably only one out of seven, one out of ten games that I have a very clear, like, if A, I want to bet, if not, I don't kind of situation. Now, what you're saying is almost like at the dog track or at the horse track— Like, walking down and seeing, do they seem, you know, enthusiastic? You know, does the the horse seem like he's high energy and get a little... Because, really, all you're going to see... Because, listen, if a team scores first, the team you want to bet, now you've got... It hurts you, right? Right. The the deeper you get into the game... Fez mentioned halftime, but that's... I I think, in general, that's a horrible idea because half the game's over. So, if you were right about the handicap, you'd have a a big disadvantage because you're up by 10 or whatever now, right? So... No, not that there's not times to bet halftime, but it's a different approach, right, Fez? Absolutely. Tipping.
5: And remember, the number can get away from you. What if New England takes the opening kickoff and goes down, scores a touchdown? Uh, that's my point. Yeah. Why
4: didn't I lay seven? Now I'm laying 14. So, so, so in general, Steve, if your handicap is right, I'd rather get down before the game because I'm not sure I have a great skill. Now, Brad, you're a college football specialist. Is This is a fascinating question. Is... After two possessions of a college football game, if you could re bet, but if there are is scoring, it's accounted for in the line, right? So you're not like, oh, they're up ten nothing, I get to bet the favorite now, you know? No. But let's assume that we only count games there's no scoring after two possessions. Because in the in the field position for the third possession is normal. Team starting under the thirty. If you could bet after two possessions, how much better would your Scoreless possessions. How much better would your win rate be? Uh, I would
6: say a couple percent, maybe. So you think it would improve you greatly, Faz? What
4: about you? Almost. So scoreless games, two possessions. Now, obviously, if there's a big underdog, well, the game's
5: gotten shorter. Let's forget that for a second. I'm going to say only about one point three percent, and here's why: <laughs> only one point-
4: <laughs> Where'd you come up with that?
5: <laughs> yeah, so instead of fifty, 15- so, so, so hold on, you say, <laughs> hold on, you say, he was one- definitive about you it. You say one point three.
2: I am Elmer
5: J. Fudd, millionaire. I own a mansion and a yacht. Go ahead, Here's friends. why it's not <laughs> 2%. There's an inherent problem the later the game gets. The fewer possessions there are, the more luck is involved. I agree. So, so if your handicap is right, you want eight possessions each, not five possessions So
4: my sense... Cofield is that unless someone has a special skill that they just get a feel like oh they're con-. and I think if you're an X's and O's guy you're saying look at the way they're moving them off the line for me it's going to have to be very obvious for me to see that
3: that's R.J. Bell Fezzik and Brad Powers and the Wise Guys chair Steve Cofield here on Straight Out of Vegas on Fox Sports Radio you guys had a six days or so to process a discussion that we had last week about Brady's age. You were worried about his age, wear and tear. He hadn't played long seasons, you know, two seasons ago. You thought he looked fine. Let's move on. He's good to go. You were still apprehensive. And when I say you thought, Fezzik thought, hey, it's good. RJ said, hey, let's wait. The second week of the playoffs is the one where we could see Brady actually look a little bit tired. Let's be
4: honest. Three years ago, Fezzik was questioning Brady's age. (laughs) Let's be honest. It's all the kale
5: shakes. He's a vampire. <laughs> he doesn't I agree. age.
4: Because typically, if you look at the timeline or age line of Peyton Manning, you know, when did, the, you know, what was he, 37 when he had a career year? And then at 39, he was in the bottom quarter of the league.
5: Brady, oldest quarterback to ever win a playoff game. And now he's laying seven and a half. He's got to win by a lot for us to make money. So here's what I think I think this
4: is a perfect storm for Brady and his drop-off at the end of years to be mitigated, to not be the factor that they should be in most situations. First, let me just quantify this drop-off. So this year in the regular season, first 10 games, Tom Brady had one interception. In the last six games, he had six interceptions. I've heard other Sabermetrics guys say that, oh, this is the, one of the worst five-game runs entering the playoffs he's had in his whole career, not just interceptions. And quickly, if you look at last year, remember, he only played 12 games, thus he had four less games. Fatigue wasn't as big as a factor. He still dropped off a little bit. And even in 15, he dropped off at the end of the year. So to me, when we come back, I think we'll explain why the stats say Brady should be dropping off, but I think that the situation the Pats are in might make that not the case. Let's talk about Brady
3: and also how important it is to get out to a lead in this game. That's on the way. Straight out of Vegas, Fox Sports Radio.
2: Straight out of Vegas!
3: Straight out of Vegas, coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. So we've been talking about rest and Brady's freshness, so the Pats rested. We think the Jags may be a little bit weary from all the travel. I think more than the a travel. little. I, I would a say lot weary.
4: Yeah, four out of five is as bad as road games get um, except for rare exceptions. And actually, New England had a five out of six this year because they had that Mexico City game that was considered a home game. But four out of five and one of those being a playoff game is about as bad as you get. Now, the question is Week 16 and 17, how much effort were they putting in? It seemed like they were trying, even though they lost.
3: But then the flip side, hey, Brady faded the last two years. So last, where are we now on Brady?
4: Last three, if you count this season's regular season. I think this is like, imagine that you're a uh, uh, an older golfer, and you're like, yeah, when I was 35, I could do it, but now I'm 50, and I just can't do it. But lo and behold, you get to play at a much shorter you know, first time you're playing in a while, but the course is much shorter. Meaning your limitation is not going to be exacerbated because of the situation. Limitation, not exacerbated by the situation. Well, what's the situation here? Brady's as rested as you can be at this point. Hasn't left New England for over a month. Had a low-stress game last week. People don't realize. there's And Fez, talk about this a minute. Some games, both because of how competitive they are, the physical side, you know, post-Seattle, post-Steelers, post-Ravens has always been a trend people have looked at, but also psychologically, how stressful is this game if it comes down to the last moment and you feel drained from it? I would make the case that
5: New England against Tennessee was a low-stress game. I agree completely. So they get down 7-0, then they boat race the Titans. They get 35 straight points. Brady does not get sacked once despite throwing 53 times. He runs a quarterback sneak late in the third quarter. You know he's feeling spry, them willing to risk him, even when the game is completely in hand. And one thing, RJ, you just brought up a great point. How much did that Brady slump he had— have to do possibly with that five out of six he had to play on the road earlier in the year. Exa- the thing that exacerbated it earlier is now
4: mitigating it, which is the schedule. Let's run down real quick. Week 16 at home for the Pats. Week 17 must win to keep the number one seed against the Jets. That was a low-pressure game mm-hmm. or, or low-stress game because they had the lead throughout. Right, So low home 16 low-stress game 17, buy 18, low-stress game 19, and now you're home. Or, or I'm sorry, it would have been um, home, home, buy, home, and now home. You can't do better than that. And now another buy if they make the Super Bowl. So the way it's set up is perfect to make where Brady's limitation not be the limitation it could be.
5: And I think we might see the drop-off next year and maybe carries it through all the way to the Super Bowl. Yeah, you're going to be right at one point, right? Just keep saying <laughs> one it every point, Brady
4: is going to
3: get old. I agree. Is the single biggest factor in this game who gets out to the lead? It, it, it's, it's vital that the Jaguars take a lead, right? They're not a come-from-behind team. I would make the
4: case, and let me ask you the question, Fez. There's no team in the league. If you rank them up 10 in a game, I would say Jacksonville's the third best team in the league if they're up 10 in a game. And if Jacksonville is down 10 in a game, I would literally say they're like number 16. So 3 to 16, 13-slot difference. Is there any team in the NFL with a bigger disparity – of how good they are performing up 10 or down 10.
5: Oh, I don't think it's even close, and that's why we see so many blowout Jaguar games. Curiously, though, here's a coach that always defers when he wins the coin toss. You'd think he'd want to take the lead. All right, so let's kind of bring it back to the topic. Is
4: we could can, we can, we can talk about see this is why Fez is Fez. Is he spends, he's got his little Excel sheets, he's got his little reading glasses, and he's breaking down like looking at old like mi- micro microfish. Like what did this coach <laughs> what did this coach do kickoff wise or not? And he's going back to the old AP wires trying to find what they did seven years ago as a college coach or something. And that's why he has a mansion and a yacht. Let's be candid. But getting back to the idea. <laughs> of Jacksonville in the lead <laughs> 10 seconds or 10 minutes. Okay. Now, leading game with Bortles. If he's leading the game, 103 is his passer rating. If he's trailing, it's 66. So think about that a second. Is 103 is one of the best quarterbacks in the league? 66 is one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. And that's the difference if Jacksonville's leading, or not leading, and I don't think they get the lead against New England.
3: We will have selections on this game, the Jaguars and Patriots, a trend of the week, and of course, analysis of the Vikings and Eagles. Coming up, straight out of Vegas.
2: Straight out of Vegas!
3: Yep, the crew is here. We got leans and likes on both of the championship games coming up, specifically Pats and Jags, in less than five minutes. It is Steve Cofield, along with RJ Bell. And... We've got the
4: best NFL handicapper in the world, in my opinion, Steve Fezzik, the only guy to win the Super Contest twice, and we're deep diving with the wise guys. And also, at the end of the hour, college basketball recap, a little bit of look ahead to Sunday. And also, if I am correct, Brad, you killed it today.
6: Yeah, the 3-0 and on premium picks, but most importantly for this show's purposes, Ohio State, easy winner over the Golden Gophers, a, a pick that we gave out as a best bet last night. Yeah, the nugget on the best bet was
3: insane. So that's coming up uh, towards the end of the hour. Trend of the week, in the playoffs, if your offense kicks booty the next week, uh-oh.
4: No doubt, and the logic is there, too, and that's a commitment we always make, and it's a discipline that you have to have if you want to win. Trends can be very insightful, but you better understand the logic or you can get caught with some wacky trends that are just statistical randomness, right? Because if you flip a coin a thousand times, you're going to get some 17 and three runs that don't mean anything. But this, I think, means something. NFL teams, after scoring 40-plus points in the playoffs, so they win the playoff game, they score big the next game in the playoffs, 5-25 and 25 against the spread. Now, I think the logic's there. Public loves offense. They see a team. The whole world's watching the playoffs. They see a team dominant on offense, and they win the game. And what happens? They get expensive the next game. Expensive means you don't cover as much. 5-25, and 25, I think, is extreme. But I think the logic is there. And, Fez, you've got some great theories about when teams are successful, they tend to stay static in their approach, which can be dangerous. And when teams are unsuccessful, they make changes, which can be a good thing.
5: Yeah, so you put up 45 points. You're very successful. What are you going to do? Well, let's stick to what we have been doing. What's well, pound four net. He's run the ball 20-plus times the last two playoff wins. It makes sense. Go ahead and stay with what got you there. But the problem with that is you become too predictable. What is Belichick, the master at, going ahead and taking away what you're best at?
4: And you know something? That was a professional presentation. Let's give a little acclaim right now to Fez. I've got
5: to tell you, it's just occurred to me what the student body has been chanting for the last two or three minutes. It's the name of <laughs> Fez, <laughs> de-
3: <laughs> Fez delivered. <laughs> that was good. So is there a chance the Patriots could be underpriced here? And here's, here's the other thing. You guys have mentioned, hey, you stick to the plan when you're having success. Have the Patriots actually been holding something back with Gronk?
4: I'll be honest. This is a topic I've wanted to talk about. Not a single. I did like 18 shows uh, this week. Obviously, the interest has gone up. And this is a topic no one's asked about, Kofiel. I love that you did. I blew it. Oh. And Fez, I think you actually are the best person to talk to this about. I think there's two situations no one's talking about. One is, and, and this is one I actually got to give Bill Simmons credit. He's on a lot, which is they don't risk Gronk unless they need to risk Gronk. Now, if you think about, well, what do we mean by risk? We mean risk of injury because this guy gets injured a lot. And especially now with defensive backs not allowed to go up high, they don't, you know, New England does not want people diving at Gronk's knees over the middle. Let's be honest. So what happens? Gronk is often a decoy. Gronk might only you know, go over the middle in tight games at the end of the second quarter, you know, going down for a drive at half. We saw in the Steeler game, when they really need a drive, how much they focus on Gronk. Imagine if they did that all the time. Now, obviously, he'd have to get a little rest. But they could do that what? 10 times more than they've done. Is it possible? Like when you used to wrestle with your dad, let's say you think you kind of think you're getting stronger. You're seven, you're eight, you're nine, and you feel like you can almost take him. But as you keep getting stronger, he seems to get stronger, right? He's holding back. Could it be that because of Gronk and one other reason we can talk in a minute, but let's talk about Gronk first, that new England that we've seen this year, is no, is much better than we think on offense because they've protected Gronk so much. And if this game is tight, they
5: won't do that. Absolutely. They basically, I agree, have been sandbagging, holding Gronk back. Remember, he wasn't around to play in the Super Bowl last year. He's the most fragile 275-pound beast I've ever seen. And now they have him healthy for the playoffs. It's time to unleash the Gronk.
4: And Or maybe not. Maybe they hold him for the Super Bowl, meaning if they take the lead here... And don't need them. Maybe they just play normally like they did the rest of the year. Now, here's the second part of what the Patriots can do. Is when they go no huddle and Brady's making the call at the line. Is the the analytics guys that look at those situations. This is one of the most effective offenses in the history of the NFL. When they're at the line with Brady making the calls, no huddle. Is... Would it be crazy they come out and do that for an entire game in a game like this or maybe a game like the Super Bowl? And the coach would have no way to prepare for that, right? Even if you're as good as Zimmer, let's say. And if you just slice out the times during the year that New England ran that offense, they've been almost unstoppable. Why wouldn't you run that more? Right Well, because you haven't needed it they they're the number one seed. If they would have been undefeated this year and won every game by a hundred nothing, they couldn't be in a better position than they are right now, playing one home game to get to the Super Bowl, right? The best you can do is be number one seed. Belichick got him to be number one seed, holding back Gronk and potentially holding back using that offense so much but if you if a Zimmer had a ton of film against that no huddle then
5: it'd be much easier to stop it. I think this is a huge coaching advantage. You have predictability in Jacksonville. We know what Jacksonville is going to run and complete unpredictability with Belichick. We've seen him use formations no one's ever used before for special games. Would not surprise me, like you said, if he did this game and or in the Super Bowl. And I think that's a slightly different
4: thing. And the Ravens game is an example of that, obviously, a couple of years ago with the rule thing about who's the eligible player. But I'm saying he's used this stuff before. He's just used it so sparingly. I mean, how scared – if you had a bet on Jacksonville, and we're going to get to the pick in a minute, how scared would you be if before the game the Belichick puts out a tweet, imagine that, and he said, <laughs> hey, guys, we're going no huddle. We've been holding this back the whole season. We're going no huddle the whole game. How quickly would you be bet, getting off your bet on Jacksonville?
5: And my under 47 as well. I'd want to get off of both so, of them.
4: So the point is, why wouldn't they? And maybe it's not the whole game. Maybe it's only two thirds of the game on offense because of rest or whatever. But why wouldn't they do that if it's so effective? I, I mean, to me, there's an X factor there.
3: That's RJ Bell. Fezzix here, Brad Power, Steve Cofield. Before we. Get picks, and if anyone in the room is thinking about, hey, Jaguars plus the seven and a half, I want you to give the numbers on, you play against the Patriots, you are in perilous territory. You
4: don't get rich betting against Belichick is over the last, this season, the number two ATS team against the spread. Last two seasons, the number one team, the Patriots. Last five seasons, the number two team. And the following time frames. After five seasons, I'm going to tick off, in every one of them, the number one ATS team out of 32 NFL teams the last eight years, 10 years, 12 years, 15 years, since Brady's first start, since Belichick's first game as coach of the Pats. In every one of those time spans, the number one team in the NFL absurd. against the spread. And Especially they're expensive. Yep. They're, exp- they're yep. a premium, A yep. team with a premium on them. And, Fez, you have a fascinating rationale to why even the wise guys tend to undervalue New England. Because the
5: wise guys are usually math geeks and they look at yards per play, the number one metric that everyone looks at. And from a <laughs> yards per play perspective, New England is just barely better than an average team, only plus 0.2 yards per play. And that's why what happens is last week, RJ, you and I talked about the line on this game. We made a 10 and a half and 10. What happened? Jacksonville scored 45. Now this line's seven and a half. Think about that. Jacksonville is only getting seven and a half against the Steelers. New England's much better than the Steelers, but they're disrespected by the math geek guys.
4: And the last thing, and I, I think it's even more... Uh, geek on geek on geek crime. He did it like four <laughs> times. Like, what are you, What's going well, on here? When well, he's listen, part of the
3: community, he does know.
4: Listen, the thing... That's the, a compliment. The thing you'll know about math geeks is they don't like... They look over and it's kind of like... It's, they don't want to think that's looking in the mirror. You never see <laughs> geek on geek... Boolean is the worst. Yes. Let's say that. Fez, true or not? True. <laughs> <laughs> and all the geeks hate that Fez is the most famous geek in Vegas. So it's t- it's not easy. I, listen, having a mansion and a yacht's nice, but there's downsides. Getting back to the, the
5: handicapping. <laughs> they, the best He's people, RJ, use the math, but it's also not just math, but it is an art. Well, I, no. I actually think... no.
4: I think that you can use math in, on every team except New England. Meaning, is there any other team, me, if you say, here's their stats, right? We're saying math is a way to kind of say sabermetrics, advanced analytics. Whatever you want to say is something you could put into an algorithm, right? The very best, biggest betters. A vast majority of their betting decisions are driven by the algorithm. Agree or disagree? Agree.
5: And the other team they get wrong, the Cleveland Browns. Because the stats are pretty good on the Browns and they bet them every week. So with most teams is if the stats are enough,
4: if you have them, if you know how to use them to win. But with the Browns, the worst and the Pats, the best. There's something about those numbers that don't tell the whole story.
3: Man, I don't feel like anyone in this room is going to be on the Jaguars. We'll find out on the way back. Who are they taking? Jags plus seven and a half. Are they laying it with the Patriots? That's up on the way. Straight out of Vegas, Fox Sports Radio. Straight out
2: of Vegas!
3: Straight out of Vegas, breaking down the conference title games. Coming up in just a few hours. Reminder, Farmers Insurance got the tournament going down at Torrey Pines and our friends at farmers insurance have invited Fox sports radio back to broadcast live from the farmers insurance open at Torrey Pines in San Diego. This Wednesday, visit farmers insurance open.com for tournament info or join the conversation at hashtag FIO 18. Steve Cofield, RJ Bell, Fezzik and Brad powers in the wise guys chairs.
4: All right. So I'm going to throw a conspiracy theory out there and make it quick. Cause we talked about it last night. And by the way, guys, our show is podcast right after. The guys back in L.A. do a great job getting that baby out there nice and quick. It's in the Fox channels, all the different ways you can follow Fox Sports Radio. And additionally, on my Twitter, at RJ in Vegas. Yesterday, we did a deep dive on the conspiracy side. I'm going to keep it high level and get Fez's thoughts. If there's any game of the last 10 NFL seasons that the NFL is going to be affected their bottom line by more than this game. I don't know what game it is because imagine new England versus either of these NFC teams. That's an average Super Bowl, maybe a little better than average because it might be the last go around for Brady and Belichick. Who knows? Right. As the stones say, it could be the last time, but if it's Jacksonville versus either of these Jacksonville, Minnesota, right? Keenum and Bortles, (laughs) I mean now obviously the NFL always cares about the Super Bowl so you might say RJ but what about you know five years ago we wanted Manning to win why wouldn't they have influenced that game because the narrative the narrative is the objective fact is NFL's ratings down 9% by the reports I've read this year over double that the last two years now the Super Bowl is impervious it's bulletproof but maybe not bulletproof to Blake Bortles, right? So imagine if they're are 10 million viewers down, 105 instead of 115 or whatever. That could be tens of millions of dollars of bad PR for for days and weeks after. Fez, how often do you think conspiracy when you handicap is in the league wants this and thus they're going to find a way to make it happen? And are you in this case?
5: I rarely think conspiracy, but I think it this time of year when the big dollars matter. I got to tell you, RJ. So every year in the playoffs you're thinking it? I'm thinking it's a possibility, and then I evaluate it. And usually you got some good matchups, and it's a non-issue. In this case, I got to tell you, I'm doubling down on what you said last night. I think there's more conspiracy than people are giving out. Not that they're telling the refs what to do, but that the refs know what to do. Let's face it, There's every game there's five or six calls that could go either way. Hey, there's a little holding, a little grabbing going on when New England's blocking for Brady. I don't have to throw that flag. I could throw it. I don't have to. Gronk gets bumped around in the end zone. Pass interference or no call? I'm going to call pass interference if it's too close to call.
4: And that's the way, and we did deep dive last night on it, that they would affect it. It's not some fix or whatever because there's too much at stake. Forget the morality of it. There's too much money at stake to do that for the league to risk themselves but to put in officials who are gonna be beneficial in their style of calling a game to one team or the other is a way a league can affect the outcome it can't dictate it but it can affect it and i think if they're ever if the nfl would have ever done that maybe it was this week
3: for for new england Patriots seven and a half the total is 45 and a half where are you going rj
4: I'll be candid. I'm going under in this game.
5: What's our 45? I saw yesterday. Has it ticked up fast? It's 45. I'd wait till tomorrow. I think it'll go up to 45 and a half. The second Brady goes ahead and he's in the starting lineup.
4: Okay. And they've announced that he is. So, uh, and, and plus when the public starts batting, right? So there has been no Jacksonville total above 43 this year. And I, I think it's warranted that this is a high total. I just am able to play my thought that Coughlin's going to be meaningful And also, my thought that Brady's hurt more than he seems, and that way I can do it all with the under because it also both points to Jacksonville, but I want no part of Jacksonville because of
5: what we've talked about for almost an hour and a half. I agree with you. I'm on the under as well. Overreaction to that forty points that Jacksonville scored. We talked about the reaction in the spread dropping from ten down to seven and a half. Reaction in the total. That's why this total came so
6: high at forty-six and a half. Let's take advantage of it. Brad, I'll make it a consensus. Going with the under one other. He's factor. copying. Oh, are you kidding me? We did, we did a video on Wednesday, and I took the under And I thing. said it Wednesday! Yeah, and I, I was the one that said this that. by far was the highest totals line in a Jacksonville game. <laughs> Mispricing off that game. Another thing. What a brain. There's no fooling yeah. around, RJ. You know, it's, one, back down.
4: it's one button I could <laughs> cut Brad <laughs> you
6: coast to coast. Yeah. I just press one button, he's gone.
3: So why do you like the under?
6: Well, <laughs> another fact, I mean, after New England was the worst defense in the National Football League, first four games, well, since week five. Number one in the NFL in scoring defense, only allowing 14 points per game.
5: Number one scoring defense. They had the worst stats on defense in September. What a turnaround.
6: Remember, did you ever watch
4: the movie Carlito's Way? Of course, yes. yes, brilliant. Remember, so uh, Sean Penn's in prison talking to the Italian mobster, and he's got, like, forearms as big as my thighs, and he's like, I just got to push one button, and you're gone. (laughs) It's over. It's not
3: quite like that. but So no one is taking a side in this.
4: Well, listen, to me, this is a good example of if you bet even one of these two games, that means you're betting 50% of the games. Okay. In a given week of the NFL season, if it's 16 games, if it's a full week, that means you would have liked eight of the games. Now, listen, doesn't mean there can't be value on both of them this week or one of them. I just think that a lot of things make me not want to bet Belichick or against Belichick, but Brady's hand and Coughlin makes me not want to lay it with New England. And yeah. That's a good way to go about it. Is Find reasons not to make a bet and that will get you off some losers.
3: The only reason I'm surprised is I thought you said last week you thought this line, this is before the Jaguars advanced, if it was Jags-Patriots, Patriots would be 10 or 10.5. 10 so 7.5 seems like a bargain. But I think Brady's
4: line is worth a point or two. Or I'm sorry, Brady's hand is potentially. The uncertainty around that is worth some points.
5: You know, I think a safer bet, if you wanted to, was to go ahead and play a two-team teaser, and your first leg would be to take New England. I know you did this, RJ, down to the minus one, right?
4: Yeah, so on the Adam Carolla show, which I'm on every week during the football season, his main show, is I did a seven-point tease that I don't typically do, which was down to, I think at the time it might have been minus one, for New England. So eight to one. And, but the reason I went seven instead of six is I'm, uh, and, and I'm teasing ahead here on the teaser is I do lean <laughs> Philly and we're going to talk about that game in literally seconds, but I took it from three up to 10. So listen, teasers always sound good. That's why they're called teasers, <laughs> right? But Philly plus 10 in a very low scoring game and New England just to win the game. I like
3: it. So as we move on to Minnesota in Philly, Minnesota laying three, in the total thirty eight and a half. We have to factor emotion into this game, right? And especially, let's start with the Viking side. The end of that game was amazing. It was amazing for the Vikings, their fans, against the Saints, Sean Payton, uh, the books, all the money that changed hands. Uh, there was a lot of emotion last week, and the Vikings kind of wrap up all that emotion and just move on cleanly.
1: You
4: know, as I've been talking about on the shows, I do... It really shows you how great gambling is and how great the NFL can be. And let's be candid. There's a lot of time they kick off. There's a, you know, commer you know, there's a touchdown. There's a commercial. There's a kickoff. There's a commercial. And you're kind of looking and you're thinking, what am I doing? But then moments like, obviously, if you're a Minnesota fan, you're never going to forget that. Like literally the rest of your life, you're going to talk about that play. And how often do we have those amazing experiences in our lives, right? Sports can be amazing. Um, But then Vegas adds to it because if you were a Minnesota fan and they win the game and then you think, wait a minute, I bet them. What was my line? You look down and it was five and a half and you look up at the scoreboard and you go, oh, they're up by five. But wait, I hear Troy Aikman. What's he saying? You must kick an extra point due by rule. It's like, okay, we're good. We're good. And then what was it, Steve? Cofield, like what? Like. 12 minutes or something before they kick the extra point? Same like it. So, like, you're waiting. You're right. Your heart rate's kind of dropping, but it's staying up above, like, in the 80s. And then they come out and kneel. And it's like, ah. Like, that emotion, that artificial in a way emotion that you can have on any game. Because let's be candid. I'm a Steeler fan. I can think back to, you know, Super Bowl 40. I can think back to Arizona. I was at the game in Arizona. uh, Or the game was in Tampa against... Arizona, those are moments I'll never forget. When, when Big Ben threw that pass to Holmes and I was there, though it was the other side of the stadium, it was like, wow, I'm never going to forget this my whole life, and Big Ben can never really do wrong to me on the field, I'll say, because of that pass. But how many times is that? I mean, you're a Big Jets fan, and we can laugh that, oh, they've had futility, <laughs> but I mean, even like beating the Patriots or something can be an amazing win. You get that a handful of times, you know, in, in a you know maybe once twice a year on average, if you bet Fez, you had the amazing situation this year where you had a ten-team parlay. Quickly tell that story. Yeah, so I'm nine and zero, and so you've got nine pieces, nine winners out of ten, and it was a hundred to win. How much?
5: It was over fifty-five 50, thousand. hundred to win fifty-five thousand, and you had. A Monday night game, and I have the favorite and i 'm laying seven, and they 're up I think one at the very end of the game, and I get the crazy the crazy lateral so, so literally
4: it 's the last play of the
5: game you 're laying seven i 'm laying six and a half I, and, a and half. I need the crazy lateral type of touchdown, and they start doing the laterals, and I get it now obviously
4: when he says they, he means the opponent starts doing the laterals, so if you 're betting. The underdog in that case, you're thinking anything except some return <laughs> touchdown. Imagine watching a game with 50,000 if, if this one in a 500 happens, and it happens. And if you're watching it, the way your heart's beating during that, those next 30 seconds— is going to be up there with the 10 most intense moments of your life. That's why gambling can be addictive. But if it's done right, that's why gambling can add so many thrills to someone's life.
5: And then I have my game of the year on the Vikings last week. So this has been a very historic NFL season He
3: can't for me. complain
4: about bad beats until August 1 of 2018. There's a moratorium.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Let's address uh, how this game is going to be affected by the emotion on the Vikings side and the Eagle side. That's up. In just a minute here, but first Steve De with the latest
0: nine NBA games tonight. The feature matchup at Cleveland. The Rockets beat Golden State 116-108. Golden State had won 14 straight road games. Philadelphia beat Milwaukee. All-star Giannis Attenecombo of the Bucks will miss a couple games with a sore knee, and he was out tonight. Miami trailed by five points at Charlotte with just over 30 seconds left, and the Heat still won the game 106-105. Victories for New Orleans, Chicago, and Oklahoma City, which dominated at Cleveland 148-124. Utah ended the Clippers' six-game winning streak. Lou Williams did have ten steals in the loss. Minnesota beat Toronto, even though Jimmy Butler was out with a sore knee, and Kyle Kyle Lowry scored 40 points for the Raptors. Still, Minnesota 115-109 the final, and the late game at Portland went to the Blazers over Dallas. Damian Lillard, 31 points from three-point range. He started seven for seven. The upset losses in college hoops. number 4 Oklahoma lost in overtime at Oklahoma State. Number 7 Wichita State lost at Houston. 8th-ranked Texas Tech lost at Iowa State. Number 18, Kentucky lost by two at home to Florida. And number 24, TCU lost at Kansas State. Among the NHL games, Dallas a 7 1 winner at Buffalo. Colorado won its ninth in a row. UFC victories for Stipe Miosic and Daniel Cormier at Bellator. Wins for Rory McDonald and Shale Sonnen. And the Tennessee Titans' new head coach is Mike Brabel. Back to you. Thanks,
3: Steve. NFC title game going down. Second game of the day on Sunday. Eagles are getting three as a home dog again. We'll address the numbers in the playoffs when it comes to home playoff dogs. But emotion. Vikings going to be fine in this game. Hey, they won. Dial it down. We're ready to go.
4: I think Minnesota is the most negatively affected of the four teams that won last week. And I think Philadelphia is by far the most positively affected by winning. Let's start with Minnesota, because it's obvious. Case Keenum, and we talked about this on the Dream Preview. So for Podcast One, we do the Dream Preview every week. Fez and I and the biggest bookmaker in Vegas, Maddie Holt. You go to pregame.com, you can get that, or on my Twitter, at RJ in Vegas. We did almost two hours talking about these games, and a lot of different topics we haven't even gotten to in this deep dive. And remember, the games don't kick off till later tomorrow. You can check that out tonight or tomorrow morning, but what we talked about was the idea of Keenum saying he hardly slept Sunday night, he hardly slept Monday night, difference between winning and losing to quote Al Pacino is inches in the NFL and maybe a couple less hours sleep, a little less time on the film on Monday, especially when you have to go on the road like Minnesota does, can make all the difference. I think it's a negative for Minnesota. Agree, disagree, Fezzik? I'll agree strongly,
5: and I'm very worried that they celebrated too hard after that playoff win. Now, here's the
4: Philadelphia side. They had the most questions entering the divisional round. A quarterback that was thought to be an elite backup, backup sure, but an elite backup, Foles, he underperformed drastically, drastically during the regular season. It's a team with a head coach, never been in the playoffs as a head coach before. Most of the players, maybe one playoff game with, you know, some of them that's been around since Chip Kelly, but not any playoff wins, and many weren't around for any of it, right? So uncertainty personified, as they would say, and what did they do? They won as a three-point underdog, and they won the Eagles minus two in turnover. So let's dig into the history of the NFL from a Vegas perspective. Teams that are underdogs and are minus two in turnovers in the game, there's been about a 1,000 of them the last 30 years. So minus two in turnovers, you're an underdog in the game. Less than 10% win the game. If you're an underdog and you're minus two, it's so hard to overcome. The fact that Philadelphia did that makes, one, the win more impressive. But could there be any doubts this week? Because think about it. What would you do last? Imagine – kind of a pessimistic player comes and goes, I don't know, coach, if we can do it this week, right? And I wish I could, like, imitate, like, the Friday Night Lights coach, his voice, I can't, but is he said, well, wait a minute. What were we last week against the Falcons? Three-point dog. What are we this week? Three-point dog. What did we do last week? We won. What are we going to do this week? We're going to win, right? So, to me, that win is such a big advantage for the Eagles, because all they got to do to make the Super Bowl is do the same thing again.
5: Yeah, I agree. Let's blow up another Death Star. Why not? We did it last week, and I love the fact they got out the dog masks, and no respect. We're the number one seed, three-point underdog. We went out right, and now they're making us a three-point dog again. It is so (laughs) easy to the narrative that we're going to win again. I really think all these players are confident they're all going to win. What's a Death Star? They blew up two of them in Star Wars.
4: Oh, Steve... Continue.
3: We're getting you a dog mask. <laughs> the dog mask thing is taking off. I saw a church tonight with a priest with the sermon with the dog mask on. The whole town is taking hold of this dog mask thing. <laughs> wow. It's going crazy. And I,
4: I'll be honest with you, and I'm not going to take all the credit with Straight out of Vegas on Fox Sports Radio, Coast to Coast, 330 stations, Sirius 83, the iHeartRadio app. It could be that. Maybe it's other things. But I'll tell you this. Ten years ago, would any team be talking about being an underdog? It presupposes the basic part of the conversation about any game is who's favored.
3: Vegas, baby. So let's all take a deep breath. We're not supposed to get emotional with this. Let's look at numbers, RJ. Home dogs in the playoffs. Because things change the second time around.
4: Yeah, so the theory is, hey, you're pretty good that you made the playoffs. The theory is, hey, you're at home. Probably means you're undervalued, and thus, if you're trying to kind of replicate what a wise guy would do, you're going to be looking at home dogs. Well, in the first two rounds of the playoffs, and this is going back to 1978, you'd be in good shape. 20 and 9 against the spread. Home underdogs in the first and second round, 20 winners, 9 losers, 1 push against the spread. Home underdogs in the conference championship round, 6 and 8 against the spread, Yeah, small sample size, but I think that sometimes you'll have a road team that's getting a lot of public love in the early rounds that haven't been tested. If you get to the conference finals and you're a road favorite, then it means, and I I don't know if I said favorite or not, I meant favorite in the first two rounds, could be untested, the road favorite. Here, though, you're tested, and you tend to do better with a winning record against a spread. Fez, one last thing. If you just in the conference round, if all you did was bet favorites, you'd be fifty-eight percent since nineteen seventy-eight. So I think it goes to show you one of the reasons we're dog first during the regular season is questionable motivation with the favorites. When the playoffs, the favorites are always motivated, and we're seeing fifty-eight percent in the conference finals.
5: Yeah, but a whole lot of those teams were juggernaut teams, and in this like case, the Patriots, they like the Patriots. But in this case, we got a fine Viking team. But I've got, although I have them rated as my number two team in the NFL, they are a below average Super Bowl team if they make it compared to prior years. Really? That's interesting. Wow. So
4: if Minnesota, the way they're playing, you know, let's say they win the game by three, so there's no upgrade or downgrade this week, they'd be a below average Super Bowl team. Yes. Wow. I wouldn't have thought that. You're basing that on what? Well, he, remember, he does his power ratings, okay. and they come out every Wednesday, and it's the same relative theory year to year, okay. and Brad does the same thing. So Brad's talked in years past, like or this year even, I think early in the year, that this Alabama team, the perception was, was as good as any team in the last decade. Now, as the season went on, I think the tune changed on that one, because they shouldn't even have made the playoffs, <laughs> editorial note, but... So in theory, if you use the same system, correct me if I'm wrong, Faz, you can compare this year's New England team
5: to the 2007 undefeated team. Exactly right. And being six points better than average team, that's where I have the Vikings. That's nothing really special. The problem with the Vikings is... Is that they only really had to play seven true road games. They got to play Cleveland and London. There's a lot that broke right for them. They got Hunley with Green Bay. That's why they have such a great record.
4: And if you, well, it's one of the reasons. If you look at Minnesota's, because Fez brought that up on the dream preview, and I actually did a deep dive on this on, on the road team uh, with the Vikings. This is fascinating. So new, uh, we think Minnesota has the fourth best home field advantage right now in the NFL, and it's underrated. Whenever you have a big home field advantage, you tend to be overrated on the road because people don't fully understand how much of an advantage you have playing at home, so you're generally overrated, which extends to being on the road. Very powerful concept. That's why the Seattles of the world, the Saints of the world, the Green Bays of the world, the three best home fields tend to do poorly ATS on the road over the long term. Let's look at Minnesota straight up at home 7-1 and on the road five and two with only seven true road games, but still five and two sounds good, right? But if you, that's straight up, if you look at their ATS margin, so by definition against the spread is expectation in your margin above or below that plus or minus is telling you, did you exceed expectation on the year? Did you fall short? I did this analysis off of physics. Good point home this season for Minnesota plus 64 points against the spread. Away plus eight points against the spread. So this team has pretty much met expectation only on the road. They've exceeded it
3: greatly at home. It's straight out of Vegas coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. And our wise guys chairs, Brad Powers, Fezzik is here at Steve Cofield. So, Along with R.J. Bell.
4: I have a uh, a recommendation. Yes. Why don't we do a slightly early break, and we'll tease ahead and give Fez's pick and my pick and Brad's pick for this game, and we're going to get some good info from Brad
3: on the college basketball card today and tomorrow. Picks on the way, and we'll talk Mike Zimmer as well, positive or negative. Straight out of Vegas, Fox Sports Radio.
2: Straight out of Vegas!
3: straight out of Vegas Fox Sports Radio Steve Cofield RJ Bell and the wise guys chairs Fezzik and Brad Powers just a few minutes away from Brad's college basketball breakdown one last point on Mike Zimmer great
4: coach during the regular season in fact shockingly good since he became the head coach of the Vikings 70% against the spread best in the NFL over that four year period Patriots number two, for example, 44 and 19. I mean, unbelievable. And the guys that know in the NFL, Zimmer's great, one place he hasn't been great, though, entering last week's playoffs, 0 in 10 straight up, his last 10 playoff games. And then by a win that has the name Miracle in the title of it, he's now one in 10. So
3: he won. I actually didn't think he had a great game, and I didn't think he managed the clock very well down the stretch. Am I off on that? I especially think the third score back, which is kind of funny
4: to think, when Minnesota ended up kicking, what, a 51-yard field goal, they had two, the second and third down, no clock got run, and if they would have ran twice, they would have probably picked up four or five yards. um, At minimum, who knows, maybe more. They wouldn't have any chance to really lose yardage, which passing you did holding or something brings it. Now you can hold on a run too, but it's less likely. And then they would have had, you know, I think Minnesota would have had like
5: four or the saints would have had like 40 seconds at that point. I thought it was horrible. And I think it's the lack of coaching experience in these situations. You need this win so bad you've never had one. You put all your eggs in the basket of like, I've got to score in this drive versus how can I score and chew up some clock? And
4: often really A-type alpha coaches, that helps you a lot in the regular season. It can make a team tight in the postseason.
3: Vikings minus three against the Eagles. The total 38 and a half or 39. I talked about
4: it earlier. On Adam Krola, I gave a tease on this game, 3 up to 10 on Philly, and then uh, New England down to minus 1. It's a fun play. You know, laying the big lumber on a 7-point tease isn't something. I think that's a great investment. I think it might be slightly EV. We'll see, I guess. We won't know for sure, but I, I like it a smidge for some fun. But I do lean Minnesota in this game. Oh, check that. I do lean Philadelphia plus 3 if I had to play the side. Here's why I'm not going to bet it. Minnesota is so much better than Atlanta. And if I was getting three and it was one of my biggest bets of the year with Philadelphia plus three last week, I can't love it this week.
5: I like the Eagles. It's all about being a math geek here. I make this line four and a half on a neutral site. Even if I only give the Eagles two and a half for home field advantage, that makes this game two. And we talked about all these intangibles, all this emotional, disrespected underdog stuff that favors the Eagles. Even without that, I only make the line two. I got to take three for
6: some value. Powers another consensus lean on the Eagles for me. Keep in mind, outside coincidentally, Quincid- Brad follows <laughs> me. Unbelievable.
4: Well, hey, I mean, listen- I gotta follow the money, be, I gotta follow the win. It'd, be, it'd, be, smart. it'd yeah. be smart to follow me in the NFL. Absolutely, no
3: one's blaming you. Just be honest about it. That's all. Lean Philly. Can I give you? One other nugget that blew up this week, or actually yesterday in Philadelphia, did you guys see a social media gaffe by the NFL where they put out, hey, win a trip to the Super Bowl, and it was a picture of Case Keenum and Brady, and now Philadelphia and players have commented on it, oh, they got it rigged. They don't want us there.
4: Well, I tell you this, we don't have enough time. We wouldn't have enough time if we had 10 more hours. Elon Musk, Tesla, SpaceX, believes that we're all in a computer simulation and they say that even with a super advanced computer simulation there would be errors like that and things like that that it so if Minnesota and New England win could be proof wow blew my mind
3: blew
2: my mind
4: <laughs> listen if you want your mind blown <laughs> look up computer simulation and yeah. Elon Musk he has like a 50 minute interview where he breaks it all down it yes it's like a old star trek episode i'll
3: tell you what blows my mind when i listen to Brad Powers And he spots something on the card that's screwed up in the Ohio State-Minnesota game today. They didn't even know where the game was, but Brad did. He recommended a play, and my God, it was good.
4: Well, they knew where the game was, but a lot of people glancing at the schedule didn't know, and it led to mispricing, and man, Brad caught that very strongly.
6: Yeah, it was the Ohio State-Minnesota game, and Minnesota listed on the bottom of your odds screen, if you're looking at it normally, 99% of the time, that indicates that you're a home team. That was not the case here. The game was played in Madison Square Garden. On top of that, I mean, Ohio State had this significant crowd advantage. So not only a neutral site, you probably had to shade a point or so to the Buckeyes. And I got to be honest, guys, it was even more impressive than what I was expecting because game time decision, Minnesota gets back their best player, and Ohio State still crushes the Gophers.
4: So translation, it was a great pick, but it was even better than it seemed.
0: Check out that big <laughs> brain on Brad. You know,
3: let's not say Brad's. Very comfortable taking bows. Absolutely. (laughs) By the way, my lead-in was a little <laughs> deceiving. There, I meant the schedule makers with the books didn't. Know. The teams knew where the game was. There wasn't confusion. <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> like, yeah. all of a sudden. Minnesota's like, what? We got to be in New York. That'd be a We're huge. Printout.
4: It'd be a huge edge. If you know, it could be like an old seventy sitcom. Like they drove
6: them to the wrong gym or something. Uh, rapid fire. Underrated team. You think Louisville is very underrated? I, I do, and it makes a lot of sense because what team was dealing with more distractions than any other program in the country at the start of the season? Their head coach Rick Petino's fired. Their athletic director's fired. They get an interim coach. What do they do in their first 11 games? They only cover three of them. What's happened here is they settled in. They have a top 15 defense in the country. They've won and covered five straight games. A couple of impressive wins on the road against Florida State and Notre Dame. Like this Louisville team a lot. Also lean with them in tomorrow's game against Boston College. I'll lay the 10 points with Louisville. Minus, minus 10. Minus That's why it's not a like or a best bet. Lean minus 10. Don't normally so, like laying a lot of points.
4: So Colin Cowherd and I did our podcast, did a deep, Dive in these games and Colin answers some questions I asked that I was fascinated to hear. Check that out on his feed or my feed at RJ and Vegas. dream preview, still time to listen. Yes, and uh, we did two hours on these two games with the better and the bookmaker.
3: Jonas Knox on the way. We're back next Friday at eleven, straight out of Vegas, Fox Sports Radio.
2: Straight out of Vegas. <laughs> Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yoo. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats.
6: I think I learn a little bit with every character that I have play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people.
2: If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast.